Hey sleuths, welcome back to Cold Case Study. I'm your forever sleep-deprived host, Morgan, and y'all, I am so excited for this next case. You have no idea. This next case was requested by at Fordham Fern on Instagram, and if you don't know, she runs the at Fordham Fern store on Etsy, which I have purchased some awesome stickers from. My favorite is a, part of my language, a sunflower sticker that says fuck. And if you're looking for a way to support the USPS, she has some really cool stickers for that as well. I will drop her store link in the case notes for this episode. If you hear jingling, as always, that is Houdini, Lord of Chaos, and if you purchase the Houdini Lord of Chaos necklace off my Etsy store or through DMing me, you buy this little asshole a new toy. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, please do, because I am super active on there, and the more followers and interactions on posts I get, the easier it'll be for me to get sponsorships down the road. This podcast isn't just a hobby for me. I really want to make something, make this something I can devote more time and money to and just really get into it. But let's get into it, shall we? Today, we are diving into the alphabet murders, or the double initial murders. From 1971 to 1973, there was an active serial killer in Rochester, New York. Or perhaps they weren't a serial killer, but we'll get to that later. Investigators can't really agree on anything surrounding the killer or their motive, so let's see what we can do about it. Grab your sleuth book and top off your coffee, because we're going to dive straight in, and I've only got one question for you. Can you help solve this cold case? Warning. The audio, the following audio contains adult content and mentions of rape, child rape, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. The victims of the alphabet murders had a few things eerily in common. All three girls were similar in size, age, and background. They came from poor, Catholic families, all experienced difficulties in school, and lacked friends. All of these details could be considered just freak coincidences, but there's another thing. It's why the case is called the alphabet murders, or the double initial murders. Each girl had a first and last name that began with the same letter. Carmen Colon, Wanda Wolkowitz, and Michelle Mayenza. Each girl was also disposed of in a town that began with the same initial, Churchville, Webster, and Macedon. This makes me and others believe that the killer either knew or stalked his victims, but a lot of investigators don't believe so. So listen up, because at the end of this episode, as always, I'm going to ask you what you think. The best place to start is at the beginning. And today, we begin with Carmen Colon. Born in Puerto Rico, Carmen moved to a poor part of Rochester, New York with her family. A little after 4 p.m. on November 16, 1971, 10-year-old Carmen went to a local pharmacy on West Main Street to retrieve her abuela's medications. The prescriptions, however, were not ready, and Carmen told the store owner, Jack Corbin, quote, I got to go, I got to go, end quote. She was then seen entering a parked car nearby. When she didn't return home over three hours later, Carmen Colon was reported missing to the Rochester Police Department. In these three hours, only 50 minutes after Carmen had left the pharmacy, a girl, naked from the waist down, was spotted by 38 people driving down Interstate 490. Carmen was running, screaming, and waving her arms. 
no one pulled over, except for a man in a dark-colored Ford Pinto hatchback, who backed up the side of the road until he reached Carmen. The man then got out and dragged the half-naked girl back to his car by her arm. Despite 38 people witnessing this, it took three days for someone to report it to the police. And by then, Carmen Cologne had been raped, beaten, strangled, and her body found in the nearby village of Churchville, approximately 20 minutes from Rochester. On November 18, 1971, two boys riding bikes spotted what they thought was a mannequin, which, like, if you've been listening to my other episodes, people always think the dead body is a mannequin. But they spotted what they thought was a mannequin along I-490, about 300 yards away, was Carmen Colon's jacket. She had been found mostly naked. Her pants would not be found for another 12 days. Her state of undress is an important clue to write down in your sleuth book for later because we'll get back to it. The autopsy confirmed that Carmen had been manually strangled from the front and beaten several severely enough that her skull and one of her vertebrae were fractured. Her entire body had also been scratched by fingernails. Carmen's stomach was empty, which is important, so write it down in your sleuth book because we'll be coming back to it when we discuss suspects. Carmen's murder sparked public outrage. The reward for information would reach over $6,000, but no credible leads were established. And by Christmas that year, the police were beginning to lose hope that the case would ever. While the police may have been losing hope, the community did not. In 1972, five billboards with the phrase, quote, do you know who killed Carmen Colon, end quote, were erected along freeways in the Rochester, New York area. But again, no credible leads were established. 17 months after Carmen Colon was brutally raped and murdered, Wanda Wolkowitz visited a delicatessen by herself on April 2nd, 1973. For those of you who don't know what a delicatessen is, because I did it last night when I was writing the script, a delicatessen is pretty much a deli that sells cold cuts and cheeses, usually from like a foreign country. Wanda Walkowitz was 11 years old when she left said deli and walked down Conkey Avenue where she was seen struggling to carry grocery bags by a few of her classmates. Her classmates also noted that while Wanda was readjusting her grip on the bags, leaning against a fence, that a brown vehicle drove past. That was just after 5 p.m. and when Wanda wasn't home by 8 p.m., her mother Joyce reported her missing. The next day, a police officer found Wanda's body fully clothed and abandoned on the side of an access road to State Route 104 in the town of Webster, just seven miles from Rochester. Upon autopsy, Wanda was found to to have been raped and strangled like Carmen, but with a ligature like a belt, where Carmen had been strangled manually. Wanda also had defensive wounds from fighting her killer and had been redressed after her death had occurred. She had also just eaten a custard before her death. Found on her body and clothing were traces of semen, pubic hair, and white cat fur. This cat fur is another thing to write down in your sleuth book because the Walkowitz family didn't own a white cat. Again, similar to Carmen's case, 
Wanda's death sparked community outrage and a $10,000 reward was offered up for information, but nothing came from it. Yet, on an anonymous tip line, a woman claimed to have seen Wanda being forced into a light-colored Dodge Dart on Conkey Street just after she had been spotted by her classmates. Wanda's case took all the resources away from Carmen's investigation, as the Rochester PD dismissed any connection between the murders and reassigned the investigators. And then, seven months later, 11-year-old Michelle Mayenza didn't return home from school on November 26, 1973. After school, Michelle walked to a nearby shopping plaza to retrieve her mother's part purse, which had been left there earlier that day, but she never made it. On her walk to the plaza, her uncle had offered her a ride, which Michelle declined. This exchange haunted him for the rest of his life. Witnesses claimed to see a crying Michelle in the passenger seat of a neutral-colored vehicle traveling at an accelerated speed down Ackerman Street. At 5.30 that day, a motorist spotted a car matching that description, pulled off on the side of Route 350 with a flat tire. When approached, Michelle's abductor forced the girl behind his back, obscured his license plate, and threatened the Good Samaritan, who then drove away. Two days later, Michelle's fully clothed body was found on November 28th, face down in a ditch alongside a rural road in Macedon, about 15 miles away from Rochester. Upon autopsy, it was discovered that Michelle had been raped, beaten, and strangled with a ligature from behind, this time more consi- consistent with a rope. White cat fur, just like the type that was found on Wanda, semen, and a partial palm print were found on her body. Michelle had eaten a hamburger with onions just one hour before her death which matched a report of a crying girl at a Penfield fast food restaurant who had been in the company of a Caucasian man with dark hair. The picture of Hamburger Guy will be posted on my Instagram with the case notes because y'all, he could still be alive. You can know this man. So please take a hard look at him and think about it. Now we're gonna move on to the four and a half suspects that we have. I say half because one promising suspect was never named by the police and was cleared for having an alibi given to him by his family, which is sus. Because if your son was accused of murder and didn't have an alibi besides I was alone in the forest hunting, you might lie to cover their ass. I mean, think about it. The suspect that was cleared was identified as the driver with a flat tire that was hiding a little girl behind his back but claimed it wasn't him, even when the witness gave the police the correct license plate number. So there's that. And remember when we noted that Carmen hadn't eaten before her death? Well, if you were paying attention, which I know you were, both Wanda and Michelle were fed by the killer. That's not only, that's not the only inconsistency between the three girls, which I chalk up to Carmen being his first victim. But others, including some investigators, believe that Carmen wasn't killed by the same person at all. Carmen's uncle Miguel fled to Puerto Rico and later killed himself before he could be apprehended by the police and questioned. He had made some comments before he fled 
about having done something bad in Rochester and needing to escape. But, I mean, come on. As a recent immigrant in a predominantly white country at the time, he really could have done anything and just feared prosecution. Like, written some phony checks or stolen something. I mean, the list goes on. He could have done something completely completely different than murdering his niece. How about that? But I guess we'll never know. And if you don't know the name Dennis Termini, you probably know him better as the garage rapist. Dennis was a Rochester firefighter who raped girls between the ages of 18 and 21. He was suspected of the alphabet murders because he drove a neutral colored car, lived close to Michelle's school, and had a map of the area area where her body was found open in the front seat of his car. And in the back seat of his car was his fire uniform, which some people think he could have used to be like, hey, look, I'm a firefighter, trust me, get in my car. However, DNA proved that Dennis, Kenneth Bianchi, or one half of the Hillside Stranglers, killed 10 women between 1977 and 1978 before being caught after he left a messy crime scene when he killed without his partner, the other half of the Hillside Stranglers. The DNA profile from the semen found on Wanda Wolkowitz's body was only present in 20% of men, and Kenneth fell within that 20%. The palm print couldn't be ruled out or confirmed either because apparently, unlike fingerprints, palm prints can change over time due to the change in elasticity of your skin. And so, Kenneth Bianchi remains a possible suspect for the alphabet murders as he lived in Rochester, working jobs that gave him a uniform and could have given him access to young girls who would have trusted a man in uniform as we suspected with Dennis and his fire uniform. Kenneth Bianchi does claim that he has nothing to do with the alphabet murders, but, I mean, he also claims that he didn't do any of the murders connected with the Hillside Stranglers, so take that as you will. Now, if you heard the title of this episode and then were confused when I started talking about little girls, not grown women, you were probably expecting me to cover the California alphabet murders, which, I mean, I kind of am. Joseph Nasso killed four women in California, all of which with the same double initial names as the girls from from the Rochester murders. His victims were Roxanne Ragash, Pamela Parsons, Tracy Tafoya, and guess fucking what, y'all, a woman named Carmen Colon. Nasso wrote in what officers would refer to as his, quote, rape diary about how he raped multiple women and killed them in some cases. Nasa would, during his trial, claimed that him and his sculptor, he's from New York, um, that rape didn't mean rape. He said, quote, in my culture and where I'm from, it's a term for making out, scoring, getting to first base. I use that term loosely, end quote. But like, I've never heard somebody use the term rape to mean anything else but rape. Um, Joseph Nasso was later ruled out from having committed the Rochester murders through DNA testing, but I think we can all agree that he is one sick puppy. Now, I want to tell you guys about something that really bothers me about these murders that I mentioned in the intro. 
If I walked down the street and just asked three random girls what their first and last name was, like, despite how creepy that would be, how easy do you think it would be to find three girls on the first try with the double initial names found in today's victims? I don't think it would be easy at all. Like, I can't think of a person that has double initials that I know. Alright, so I lied. My mom is CC, but like, that's through marriage, so I'm going to not count that right now, okay? So just listen to this. Robert Ressler, who coined the term serial killer and worked with the behavioral science unit at the FBI, you know what Criminal Minds is based on, discounted the idea that whoever killed Carmen, Wanda, and Michelle didn't know, didn't know that they had double initials. Like, what? He's just like, yeah. Three girls with double initials were killed, but double initials has nothing to do with anything. Each girl came from a poor Catholic family, didn't have friends, and had double initials, but somehow it's all just a coinky dink because Carmen's killer seemed angrier and more disorganized, according to Wrestler. But, like, I don't think so. I think the anger Wrestler is talking about is because... Carmen escaped from his car on the freeway, and he had to chase her down while she was screaming and half-naked. I mean, I'm not a serial killer, as far as you guys know, and, like, if one of my victims escaped on the side of the highway, was running, screaming, half-naked, obviously something suspicious going on, I think I'd be a little pissed off, and probably take it out on the person who I was going to kill in the first place anyways. As I mentioned in the intro again, I think whoever this guy was stalked these girls and their families, found out things about them, and used it to get them into his car. Investigators have also claimed that it could just be a coincidence that the girls' bodies were dumped in areas with the same first letter as their initials, and that it's possible that this whole matchy-matchy thing has nothing to do with the killer's motivation. Which, like, okay, could be true, but again... I have a hard time believing that this is all just a coincidence. I think it's all a part of his MO or his modus operandi, I believe it is in Latin. But it's what makes him, as a killer, kill. What drives him. Something about these girls having double initials made them prime targets, in my opinion at least. But enough about my opinion. I want to know what y'all think. Do you think an unidentified suspect killed the girls? Do you think the alphabet killer is a serial killer? That Carmen Cologne was murdered by her uncle Miguel and not the same man as Wanda and Michelle? Do you think that these girls were the trial run for the Hillside Strangler? Or perhaps do you agree with me to some extent? That whoever committed these murders stalked these girls and targeted them specifically? Let me know by messaging me on Instagram or Facebook at coldcasestudy or by emailing me at coldcasestudy at gmail.com because y'all, like always, I want to hear from you. If you have anything that's not just plain theory, please, please, please contact 585-753-4175 for any information on the Carmen Cologne case, 585-398-398. 4100 for any information on the Wanda Walkowitz case, 
or 315-946-5781 if you have any information on the Michelle Mayenza case. Let's get some justice for these girls, please. They really deserve it after all this time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I know it's a little short and a little rushed, but I did. I do think that I got a lot of the information in here, and I hope you guys like it. I appreciate your love and support so much, and it just brightens my day anytime that somebody comments or likes one of my posts on Instagram. As always, case notes are posted on my Instagram at Study, where I hold coffee break Q&As to get to know you all better. Also, I I dropped my prices on my necklaces both through DM and on Etsy, and they start now at just $3. And don't forget to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcast for a shout-out and a 50% off coupon for any of my merchandise. Again, thank you guys so much. Keep your sleuth books handy, and I'll see you next week for another cold case, which you can request by messaging me by email or DM. Big shoutouts this week to my friends and family, Jenna, Danny, Kylie, Travis, and my mom for all helping, loving, and supporting me through school and through podcasting. Big shoutouts to all of my podcast friends and merch friends, you know, Young Queen, Fordham Fern, Crime Ghoul, Sisters Coffee and Crime, The Students' Verdict, uh, Murder Vibes, the podcast, and just a heads up, if any of you want to do advertising, if any of you want advertising slots on my show, just DM me and we'll work it out. Alright, again, this has been really fun and love you guys and I'll see you next week.